So I haven't done this for about six months. So imagine how good you might be if you would take swing a golf club once every six months or kiss your, kiss your significant other about six months. But what an honor and privilege that Dan has asked me to... <laughs> Adam's got his own thing going on here. But what an honor and privilege to uh, just have the opportunity to speak and talk about the Word of God. Dan said, what are you going to talk about? And I said, all I know is how to talk about Jesus and faith and grace. <laughs> faith, Jesus, grace. You know, I've been on the planet for... Um, <clears throat> yes. Double Jason's age, which is scary. And the more I'm on the planet, I know how much Jesus loves me and how much he loves you. And the things that the Lord has brought us through in our lives and, our, and with our health and with our marriage and with our kids. And, and disappointment, unbelievable disappointment and tragedies and unbelievable mountaintop experiences. And God's been faithful. So I don't know what else to do other than talk about the faithfulness and the grace of God. I've been trying to change my normal routine. I'm not sure what it is like for you, your morning routine when you get up. I got into the habit that Kathy gets up somewhere between 4 and 6 o'clock in the morning. Why, I have no idea, but she does. She actually does Bible study and devotions, and, and she's praying for me. <laughs> so that's where that comes from. Yeah, I never knew that. And I normally got the normal routine about the same time. I come out of my fog. I turn on the TV. I watch KOMO News. Now, I'm, I'm in bed. I don't really need to know about traffic and weather, but apparently it's important to me. And then good mer- <laughs> And then uh, at 7.30, Good Morning America comes on. And then I get out and I let the dog out and I feed the dog and I put the coffee pot on. I crawl back into bed for about 10 minutes. So I'm not sure what your routine, but that's what it is every single morning. So I thought, you know, that's crazy. God has given me this life. God has given me the number of years that I've been on the planet. And I'm not starting the day with him. I'm not talking to him. So I've been, it's, it's new for me. But the first thing I do is when I wake up with mouth, bedroom mouth and bedroom hair and all this stuff, you know how you are in the morning. You're nothing to look at either. And you're kind of you're a little stinky and the wife is going, can you put something in your mouth? That's an ugly time of morning. But in the ugly time of morning from my feet even hit the ground, I've been trying to go, Lord, I thank you. The first thing I do when I wake up, Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my kids. What a blessing they are. Thank you for Life Spring Church. Thank you for your salvation. Lord, just bless me to bless others. I've only been doing it seven days. But it's working. I don't care about the weather report and the, and the traffic report on KOMO. I actually kind of walk past it. And then Good Morning America, that's just weird news and then Hollywood news, and it doesn't apply to me, and it's just kind of nonsense. It's so good to start the day with God. And my question to you, how deep into the day, and it's not condemn you, how deep in the day do you go before you even say hello to God? Before you say, good morning, God. 
And if you're going all the way until bedtime, we've got to talk. But how long in the day before you say, hello, God? You get into his word. You pray. You open up. <laughs> it's just let the presence of God minister to you. We're all busy. We all measure in busy. But how far in the day do you go before you say hello to God? Let's pray. Lord, what an awesome time to be in your house. Lord, uh, guide and direct the words that are said. May it be your word. May it be your words, not mine. Bless all the people here abundantly. Because they're really good people. In Jesus' name, amen. What was your first recollection of seeing the ocean? This would be a guy yeah. Yeah, I was... Uh, looks wet. I was about six years old. My folks used to go to Cannon Beach, the conference Bible the Bible conference campground down at Cannon Beach. We'd spend a week down there, and there'd be meetings during the day, and then you'd play and play in the ocean. But I remember the first time, about six years old, came around the corner, and we used to rent this house, and it was right up in the, it's probably a condo now, but it looked right out over the ocean. I remember looking at it. I couldn't believe how big it was, how immense it was. I looked this way, there's Haystack Rock, and looked this way, there's another rock, and then there's this mass expanse of ocean. And all the senses, all everything that you see, this, you see it, you can't believe it, you hear it, the waves roar back, and all of a sudden they raise up like a lion, and then they, and it just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. And it just, how far does this thing go? I remember asking my dad, I said, when did the waves stop? Did the waves ever stop? And he says, no. Son, he says, the waves, they just keep coming. Just keep coming. And I said, what about tonight? He says, yeah, they'll be going on tonight. And I said, what about next week? He says, yeah. He said, we come back at Christmas time. The waves are going to still keep coming. I remember whiting out in the surf, and I know you all have ocean stories as far as getting stuck in the sand or being washed out to sea, or whatever it was. I don't know how many times I've been stuck in the sand down at the ocean. And uh, I remember as a little guy walking out with one of my parents, and about thigh high in the water, and we're playing tag with the, you all done this, I'm sure, but playing tag with the water, and all of a sudden we're doing that, and we're doing just fine until this one wave raises up a little bit more, and elbows and kneecaps and rolling in the sand, you turn around, you dust yourself out, and guess what's coming? There. You read the book. Yeah, another wave comes, and it knocks you down again. You know the grace of God? It just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. Overwhelming you. Just when you get, think you're done, here comes another wave of God's grace. It just keeps coming. Grace, defined as the unmerited favor of God. That means what we get from God, it's a favor from God, unmerited. We didn't do anything to get it, yet we receive it. His grace is fresh every morning, and it just keeps coming. We don't re- grace is what we receive from God that we don't deserve. A lot of times we think that we've made one mistake too many, or we got it all figured out. Or maybe like Jack Nicholson, this is as good as life gets. There's no more grace. This, I, you know, I kind of do this same thing day after day, and this is as good as it gets. No, 
or we reduce God to put him in our own special little box. If I do this, then God will do that. And we kind of got this little formula thing as far as what God is, and maybe we got to the point that we're in that 35-plus crowd, and we go, there's no more that God's going to do for me. Not true. Not true. Just like the ocean waves, God's grace never stops. It just keeps coming. Max Lucado has a quote, and he, in the Bible, the word grace is all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Paul, in all the books that he wrote, used the word grace 216 times. In the book of John, John used the word 26 times, just in the book of John. And it's all through the Bible. Max Lucado says the Bible uses the word grace as God's radical commitment to redeem and restore for himself a people, you and me, whom he will reign with on a restored planet in a restored universe forever in a new kingdom. He's doing this to restore you and me, to redeem you and me through his salvation so he can reign with us both now and forever. Paul is writing to his young friend in the ministry, Timothy. And to Timothy, he said, Be strong in grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. Be strong in grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. The grace that we get, obviously, is coming from Jesus. But to be strong in it, to flex our muscles of grace, not just to assume that just because we got saved, that's the end of the deal. And not only to be a getter of grace, but to be a giver of grace. That's sometimes where we, we, we get all the grace and we get all the blessing of God and then we get back into our routine and we've been blessed and been loved. And, but what about the lady at the supermarket and what about the guy in the car next to you that's trying to take you off the line? And then in Hebrews, it says, see to it that no one misuses grace. That's about hoarding grace, not to hold on to it, but to give it away, to constantly be giving grace. How long has it been since you've just been like at a camp meeting or a Sunday night service or in your praise and worship time? You've been at a youth retreat, been to a men's retreat, and you just let the, the grace of God just overwhelm you like a tidal wave. And you stand there, and you're so thankful for where you've been and where you're going and what he's done for you. How long has the sense that you've been just drenched by the Holy Spirit and his grace and washed with his love and his grace? I had some eye surgery about two weeks ago, and I come back from the eye surgery, and it's okay, just old guy with a cataract. And uh, so they fixed that, and I come in my driveway, and, and here's a... A strange pickup in my in my driveway, and and the guy standing there that I didn't quite recognize at first, and uh, finally get out and I recognize him, and he, I said, "What are you doing?" He says, I, "He says I want to bless you." I says, "Doing what?" He says, "I want to do your driveway." Well, my driveway is like 70, 80 feet long and 25 feet wide, plus the sidewalk. And this brother said, "He says." 
He says, it's just like Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. He said, I don't want to wash your feet. And I said, well, good. <laughs> but he says, I want to wash your driveway. I want to bless you by washing your driveway and the sidewalk and the patio in the back. And the thing that spoke to me the most, one was his willingness and his soft heart to do that because God had told him to do it. But more importantly, I would go out there and I'd offer him a sandwich and offer him some coffee. And, and I'd go out there just to talk to him sometimes because it took him like four hours to do this whole thing. And more than once I'd go out there and here's this brother. And he's got the wand on the ground. He's got little earbuds in there. And here he is standing in my driveway. My neighbors, my neighbors must have thought, who in the world the Ford's having their driveway now? And here he is, listening to praise music, just worshiping God, and letting the grace of God just overwhelm him with praise. Just to let him overwhelm with grace and love and mercy of God. And then he picked up his wand and psh, 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 psh. I love that brother. You spoke more in my heart than you know. The Bible has a lot of amazing stories about grace and how he, Jesus demonstrates grace. We're going to take a look at John 8, 1 through 11. And I think they got 1 through 5 up there. And Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early in the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and Jesus sat down and taught them. He's having a little Bible study. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, which is the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, excuse me, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd, put her in front of Jesus. And they said to Jesus, Teacher, and they're not saying it real nice, these guys are angry. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said to stone her. What say you? So we kind of read that. We don't kind of get it. Jesus is having a little Bible study. These men find this woman in the act of adultery. They bring her. Who knows how far? Four, five, six. Maybe a mile, dragging her through the streets, pushing on her, shoving her. People are coming out of the windows looking, what in the world's going on here? Who is, oh, and the men go, oh, that's her? Well, I'm going to close the door. And they, they see this all going on, and they just see all this commotion and all this anger. And she is fearful for her life because she knows what's coming next. And they bring her, and they just kind of push her. My, my thing is they just kind of push through the crowd, and they just kind of shoved her, and she landed on the ground right at Jesus' feet, just kind of sitting there with her arms up, looking at Jesus, looking at these men. And they're demanding, they're demanding that she be stoned. According to Moses' law, Mosaic law, if someone's caught in adultery, you get to be stoned. These men's got rocks in their hand. They got big rocks. They want to stone her. They want to kill her. And she knows that. And what an embarrassment for that woman. She came out. She barely, they caught her in adultery. They bring her out. She barely had time to grab a nightgown or a cover or something. And they got these angry men pushing her down the street. 
And everybody sees it. And her embarrassment and her shame and her fear. And now she's at the feet of Jesus. These men were trying to set a trap for Jesus. The reason they were doing this, they were trying to trap him. Either he follows Mosaic law and kill her. But if he did that, then he would be, he talks about love and healing and forgiveness and all that, but yet he lets this woman be killed. Or um, he goes along with the Mosaic law. They all had stones in their hand. They were angry. They wanted the right way to go. They, they came down and they're talking to each Hey, you got your rock. I got my rock. What about you? Yeah, I got my rock. We're going to kill this woman here in just a couple of minutes. Isn't that going to be great? And then we can go to breakfast. You know, just normal people. We're going to do this and then get over. Notice the, to this whole story in 11 verses. First, Jesus is sitting with the people in the, in the courtyard, in the temple. And then when this crowd comes, suddenly Jesus is down. And he says he stooped down and he started writing in the dirt and writing in the sand. So when he should have maybe stood up, my thought would be, if a bunch of people came roaring down the street at me and they got a woman that they're pushing and dragging, that I would say, hey, 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 what's going on? But Jesus went down on his knee and started writing in the sand. Nobody knows for sure what he was writing in the sand. But in the meantime, while he's doing that, the people are going, we need to stone this lady. What do you say, Jesus? Yes or no? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Jesus is writing in the sand. And he was quiet. So when he was sitting, and then he was stooping, but he should have been standing, but he was stooping. And now he's stooping, and now he stands up and he says, okay. He looks them all in the eye. Looks them all in the eye. He says, okay, go ahead. Stoner. Pick up the rock. Let's go. But whoever is among you that has not committed a sin, you get to throw the first rock. Then it says, Jesus stooped down again. So Jesus is on the ground and he's doing some more writing on the ground. There's been a lot of thought. What was Jesus really writing on there? i got a couple ideas. I've heard from good preachers for years that possibly what Jesus was writing was each man's name and the sin that they had been committing. Girlfriend in another town, a crook, alcoholic, internet porn. <laughs> Whatever it was, he was writing that down, just casually writing that down. The next sound he heard, close your eyes for a second. The next sound that Jesus heard and the woman heard was this sound.
and the shuffling of feet walking away from the oldest man to the youngest. I thought it was interesting. Why in the world would it be the oldest to the youngest? For those that are over 35, <laughs> seems to be the magic number. seems that when we get a little bit older, we don't want to fight so much, and we don't want to fool God. If we're trying to fool God, we know that it's useless. When we're younger and we have a little more room, we're more prone to fight and to argue. But from the oldest to the youngest, they all walked away, dropped their rocks, walked away, and they're all alone. Who is accusing you? Who are the voices that are accusing you, either in the past or right now? Who are the voices of accusation? There's about four places where they come from. One is your own head, our own head. We have repeated talk patterns and thought patterns where we say we're not, we're not, we don't have enough self-esteem. We're not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not talented enough. I have failed so many times, and all I will do is fail again. What if nobody likes me? That's another big one. It's, so it's our own head talk. Next is those who don't even like you, especially because if you're a Christian, they don't care for you. They think you're weak. They think you're a sissy. They think that you're to love Jesus, that something's got to be a matter with you. And they'll tell you in your face, you know, you're, you're weak. How can you believe that? The next one that accuses us a lot is family members and friends. In fact, they a lot of times are the ones that will come at you the hardest until you come up with an idea or you're going to say that you're going to help feed the hungry or whatever it is. And they say, oh, you're crazy. You know, why would you ever want to do that? You know what you did before when you were younger? They're the dream killers. And the other one is the voices of the past, your parents and your grandparents. I know some of your testimonies. I'm just amazed of the ones that I do know what horrific stuff that some of you have been through. Abuse of all sorts, physical, sexual, you name it. It's been done. Abandonment. Words of, you'll never amount to anything. All this negative stuff that the family has put on it. And the final one is, uh, there's a guy called Satan. He likes to beat you up every chance he gets. Remember when you were not a Christian? Satan didn't really care about you too much. In fact, he wasn't worried about you at all. He didn't have anything to worry about. Once you became a Christ follower, then all of a sudden he's really worried that you're going to the other side. You're going to the light side. And every time something comes up, he'll speak to you. Uh-uh-uh. You're not good enough. What are you thinking? Remember what you did when you were in college? Remember when you were 25? You remember what happened in 2004? And he brings the stuff up. And he just never shuts up. The devil, of course, is seeking who he can destroy. He wants to steal your joy. Say, my joy. My My confidence. My My faith. My My peace. My My salvation. salvation. Every day he brings that up. He wants to steal it from you. Can't have you. Not unless you let him. 
Nobody can take advantage of you unless you give them permission. If you give the devil permission to rule in your life, then here he comes. But every day, every day, get out of bed. Don't even get out of bed. Just lay there and start thanking God for the day that you got. Praise him for the healing that's gone in your life. Praise him for what's gone on in your marriage. Praise him for what's, uh, where he's going to take you. And you stop that. You stop those voices of your parents, of your friends, of your enemies, and your own mind talking. In Jesus' name, we put a stop to that. When Jesus stooped down, why did he stoop? Because he got the woman's here, the men are here with all their rocks in their hand. Jesus stooped down. Now he's lower than the woman. And when he gets down, he can make eye contact with the women. The woman can only see the men from the waist down and the rocks in their hand. But Jesus could see the woman, broken, tormented, sinful woman. And he could see her with all the love that he could muster. You all know this, but that's what he's done for all of us. He stooped to the lowest level so that we could be free, so that we can have the grace of God come over us. From the very beginning, from his birth, and through the birth canal, and then born into a world of sin, but he knew no sin, and raised by Mary and Joseph, and then... Then he started as a carpenter and then worked at, and going to church in the temple and was teaching people when he was 10, 11, 12 years old. Amazing thing about the scriptures. And he did that for until he was 30 years old. And then he started his ministry on earth. And he did that for three and a half years. And he healed and he taught and he blessed. And he encouraged and he put grace over everyone that he met. Amen. That's what he did for you and me. That's what he did for you and me. And the same people that wanted to stone the woman eventually got their way and had him killed and beat to a pulp. Couldn't recognize him. Unbelievable. You've seen the passion. You know what I'm talking about. Big stakes pounding into his feet, his hands, stuck on the cross. He stooped, but he went to the grave. Three days later, guess what? He stood back up, and he exited that grave. He exited that grave. How good is our God that he would stoop for you and me, but then to bring us up. To bring us up, bring us up, and cause his grace to just overcome us. Jesus gave help to the woman To us, he gives us his heart. Take a look at Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. Sin. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender heart, a responsive heart. Help me read that. Just help me read that with little enthusiasm. Let's read this together. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. 
Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put in a new spirit. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Get that? Sure you do. When you give your heart, and one of the definitions of heart in the Bible is not your physical heart. It's about your talents and your abilities and your skills and your attitude. When you give your heart and your desires and your ability to Jesus, he does an amazing thing. He returns the favor. He removes your old heart, your old stony heart, your old sinful heart. And he takes it and replaces it with his heart. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but... Yeah, I've been crucified with Christ. Paul's saying, look, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm still here, but I've been crucified with Christ. I'm no longer me, but it's Christ that lives in me. So if this is true, then God's grace is not only what we get, but what we get to give to others. About a new heart. I heard a story. This is a true story. It's not one of those preacher made up stories. It's a true story. Family of uh, mom and dad and three girls going on a ski trip. And the middle daughter, something happened, and she had an accident, and... They had to rush her to the ER where she died a couple hours later. The family decided to take her off for life support and donate her organs. One of the organs being her heart. So months later, the family found out that her heart had been given to a lady that was almost 40 years old with lots of health problems. And so they called the lady and they said, would it be okay to come and meet you? The heart that's in you now is our daughter's. Would it be okay to come and meet you? And she said, sure. So they drove and met this lady, had a nice little lunch. They talked about her and talked about the daughter and the heart surgery and everything. And finally, the mother, the mother said, I got a different request. She said, what's that? She says, I brought a stethoscope. He said, do you think it'd be all right? you think it'd be all right if I listened to my daughter's heart one more time? The lady thought about it for a second. and She said, yeah, that's fine. So she brings out the stethoscope, and the woman holds the, the listening part of the stethoscope to her heart. And the mother puts the earpieces up in her heart, and she listens. She started to hear the steady, consistent, clear beating heart of her daughter inside this other lady's heart, inside her body. And she just smiled and cried, the thump, the thump, the thump. She took the stethoscope, and this is a true story, handed it to her husband, said, listen to this, honey. And the husband listened, and with tears running down his face, the thump. The thumb, the thumb. He's hearing the heartbeat of her daughter inside this lady. 
when God puts his heart against your chest, what does he hear? Does he not hear the strong, steady, clear beating of Jesus Christ in you? Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Grace, grace, grace. Christ in you, Christ in you. Jesus in me. Jesus in you. Colossians 1.27 says it this way. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Grace is about what Jesus did for you and me on the cross long ago. However, grace is about what Jesus does in us right now. Day after day. God's dream is not only to get us into heaven, but to get heaven into us. With grace in you, you can enjoy the blessings of God. You also can go through the hardest heartbreak tragedies. If you haven't had them, there is some coming. The heartaches and the tragedies. Great news. God's grace is going to be there. Sad times, tragic times. God's grace is going to be there. Times that you've been lifted up and you're doing good and you're on top of the mountain. God's grace is there. There's times when you don't understand and all of a sudden the shears are coming out and God's trimming you back and you don't understand. Grape, grape seeds. You know, if you let a, a grape bush, grape tree, whatever it is, grow vine, thank you. <laughs> It'll just grow and grow and grow and eventually you have nothing but great big leaves and no fruit. So the vine master's got to come by and trim that thing down. Have you ever seen a grape vine trimmed back? It's all the way down to the ground like a rose bush. Sometimes that's what God does. He trims us back so we can produce more fruit, bigger fruit. But even during those times of trimming, that hurts. But God's grace, God's grace, God's grace is there. He who began a good work in you, again, everything is in you, will be faithful to complete it step by step, step by step. God's goal is to change you and me into the image of Jesus Christ. Once we realize his grace is in us, his spirit is in us, he is in us, his heart is in us. Well, what should your day be like then? Whoever said that, absolutely right. Awesome. Because sometimes we get up and we just get so wrapped up. Again, how, how late in the day do we go before we say, good morning, God? If we're saying good morning, God, right at the beginning, it changes the whole deal. Amen. Are you still not going to have problems? You're still not going to have somebody at work? You're still your family members, all this stuff? Yeah, you're going to have all that. But you're going to have a, a different way of walking and believing. You don't get grace. Grace gets you. And it's really good. It's really good. I want to challenge you to keep a heart soft toward your Heavenly Father. Be less like a rock. Where'd my rock go? I got a bucket full of them. 
He left like this rock, stony, hard rock. Some of us have had hearts like that. There's nobody here that has a heart like that today, but maybe. So I put the rock in there, and it gets good and wet. But inside this heart, and it kind of looks like a heart. I just noticed that. How lucky did I get on that one? <laughs> really? That's a, thank you, God. That was pretty good. Wow. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I didn't know God was into object lessons. But a nice wet rock. If we can figure out how to crack this thing open, though, it's all bone dry. It's all bone dry. There's nothing in there. And then the hard, stony rock. Heart. Here's the sound of a rock. But if we have a heart that's like a sponge... Or we're standing on the edge of the ocean. And let God. Then we can be drenched. We can be drenched with his grace. And his mercy. And his love. Time after time after time. For healing. For restoration. For new presence in your life. For new way of looking at each day. New way of looking at each day. I love you, John. (laughs) I just look at God's grace and healing on Sandy and John. But I'm looking at the whole church. God's grace and blessing on you. I always wanted to be Gallagher. (laughs) Oh, you... Some of you... Well, you never see Pastor Chad do that one. <laughs> or Pastor Dan, for that matter. That's why they only let me do this every six months. <laughs> uh, God's grace, it just keeps coming. My notes are all wet. The rest of the chapter, John 8, verses 10 through 11. Jesus has been stooping. Now he's standing up. Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, no, Lord, not one. And here's the best part. Then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go Sin no more. New pages, new chapters. This page is over. New pages, new chapters. Go and sin no more. Would you come up, brother? Just if you could do a little amazing grace, it'd be perfect. Especially with that ham, especially with that ham and organ. Where are you this morning? God's grace is so good. God's salvation is so good. If I'm saying those words and you go, what? I've never had that experience. I don't know that it's Jesus the way you're talking.
maybe today is the day. Jesus loves you so much, he wants to be in your heart. But that's you this morning, say, I don't know Jesus. Today's the day. Come up and see me or Pastor Adam or other people that will be up here at the front. We want to introduce you to Jesus. In fact, every different way, like, close your eyes for a second. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, and today is the day, just lift up your eyes and look me square in the eyes that today is the day that you want to have Jesus come in your heart. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For all the rest of you, this is the, the commitment time. If you've been listening to the voices of your accusers, and they seem to be continuing holding you back and keeping you from the grace that God has for your life, today's the day to stop that. To draw a line in the sand and say, not in my house, not in my life. Wow, that song has turned me up. Today's the day. Just say, God, from this point forward, I want to live in victory. I don't know how many days I got left. I don't know how many years I got left. But from this day forward, you're going to be the center of my life, and I'm not going to listen to the voices of the accuser or Satan or anybody else. gone old. We got into the routine of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And you just want to say yes to Jesus. And you want to come to a point where it's fresh grace. Fresh grace. Every day. Today is the day. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Anybody here that does not know you, Lord, let them come forward and accept you and know the goodness and grace and mercy and love of our Heavenly Father. To be washed clean and have a new heart put in us and have your spirit in us and have your grace in us. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning, let it be today. And Lord, for all my friends in this church, on the line in the sand. Lord, you can't have your people. You can't have their minds. You can't have their thoughts. You can't have their emotions. You can't have the finances. You can't have them. In Jesus' name, the Lord, we're going to count on you, trust on you. New pages, new chapters with you, dear Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I trust in you. hands. Just come on, move on in and grab a hand here as we conclude the service. This is family. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you up. Lord, we are so grateful for your grace. We're so thankful for your salvation, your love and your mercies. They are new every morning. They're new every morning. New mercies do I see. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, bless your church. Bless them abundantly above and beyond anything they can imagine. 
Whatever they're going through, Lord, smooth the way. Smooth the way. Let them see Jesus and not the circumstance. You're so awesome, God.